Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. We're back here on the first team, Joe DeLeon, Ryan Roberts, moving on officially from the 2023 NFL Draft onto the 2024 class. Now, if you tuned into the show this past summer when we led up to the 2023 season, we did a ton of summer scouting. We broke down a lot of prospects and helped you get caught up not only for the season, but also know ahead of time on who the top players are going to be for that upcoming draft class. We're doing exactly that throughout this whole summer. But on top of that, today's episode, we will be previewing the entire class, letting you know who you need to pay attention to for this upcoming 2024 NFL draft cycle. So everyone's already kind of turned the page. Everybody's already been getting a lot of these names in. Ryan, this class is interesting, though. I I feel like this is a very offensive heavy class. This past year, it was very defensive heavy. We talked ad nauseum about cornerbacks we talked a ton about defensive tackles edge rushers all these other positions and there was less of an emphasis seemingly on offensive players i feel like it's a total 180 as aggressive of a 180 that we could possibly get for this upcoming year so it seems like man i mean we look i'm a i'm a nerd i'm a geek you know this this stuff is stuff that i'm very passionate about obviously so i mean i made a big database basically of every position broken down as far as names on the board and you know just kind of getting some early thoughts and we've been diving in the film obviously for a couple weeks i was I mean, we were diving in before even the 2023 nfl draft had officially kicked off and been gone at this point so it is one of those situations joe where like i really enjoyed this time of the year because there are a lot of takeaways mm-hmm. that you create in this time right a lot of just early impressions, but I would agree. I mean, this is one of those where I'm like, there seems like a lot of quarterbacks, seems like a lot of offensive tackles. Uh, you know, there is, it, so the premier positions offensively are really touched in this class, which is fantastic. Yeah, man. I, I think that right now the defensive side of the football seems a lot more like just up in the air as far as what the hierarchies are going to be and what the quality of the class will be as of right now. And again, we're recording this in, April of 2023 for the 2024 NFL draft. So things are going to change, obviously. But the early indication is that this is a draft to maybe get a quarterback, maybe get an offensive tackle. Like this seems like that type of year. Yeah, this is again total 180 from what we saw this this past cycle. And if we were to highlight some of the names to know that the first two that have already been brought up, even during the last cycle, when some people were saying, well, if you're not in love with the quarterbacks, you might want to consider what's coming up in the 2024 grouping and those guys specifically being Drake May from North Carolina and Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner from USC. Now, these guys are very different. And I I almost I know everyone wants to sit here and say that, that Caleb Williams is the guaranteed player to be the first overall pick. Yeah. I don't know if it's that simple. I think that because they're so different stylistically and they're also their personalities are completely different. With that in mind, I think it's going to be a decision by teams on which guy they like more. I think they're both extremely talented. The only difference is that Caleb Williams was playing at USC and was under a much bigger microscope for the attention that he received. And he justifiably earned it and won the Heisman because of it. Drake, on the other hand, Drake May, 
had a bit of a crappy end of the year. He stunk at the last few games of the season and didn't fi- finish with a very um, and in a very exciting fashion that we'd be talking about in the same momentum that we're talking about with Caleb Williams right now. But I really think what's going to come down to once the draft cycle kicks off in this upcoming January, when we're actually like really dissecting these guys and deciding who the top player is, there could be an argument made for both of them. There could be, especially because they are, I mean, like you said, they're very different football players. I mean, one Caleb Williams is 6'1", 215 pounds. So like, it's not like he has terrible size, right? Like we're not going to be in a Bryce Young situation where we're like this kid, you know, this kid's 5'10 and an eighth and we have to kind of work through the measurements and the cutoffs and the thresholds like you're not gonna be able to have, you're not gonna have to do that with Caleb Williams he he's fine in that regard but Drake May is more mm-hmm. of the traditional pocket passer right who also is a good runner I mean he was a good runner for North Carolina but he's 6'4 220 he looks more of the prototype historically what the quarterback position has been kind of built off of so I think there's gonna be a fascinating conversation I mean today I would say that it's Caleb Williams, number one, pretty clear cut as far as there being a little bit of a tear break in between him and May. But I think that May is talented enough where this could become a conversation. And honestly, Joe, like the quarterback conversation is going to be fun in 2024, mostly because we were trying to excite ourselves this past year on day three of these really mm. sound quarterbacks that weren't necessarily incredibly talented, like Jake Hayner, right? For instance, who was a guy I liked. I'm like, Jake Hayner, day three player. Cool, man. I'm good there. But then we saw Aiden O'Connell get drafted in the day three. We saw Jared Hall get drafted. Right. Like we saw this run of good talents at quarterback position, but not necessarily elite talents, right? 2024, I feel like we have a lot of guys with a lot more tools in theory right now. I mean, you're talking about Michael Panix Jr. out of Washington. Very strong arm, good athlete. Quinn Ewers has one of the best arms in all of college football. He's got a big time. Upside, excuse me. Cameron Ward out of Washington State has one of the strongest arms I've ever seen. I mean, quite frankly, Bo Nix is an incredibly talented quarterback. He just hasn't been overly consistent in his career. We're going to talk about Spencer Rattler at some point, Joe. I know you hate it, man, but like, kid has a howitzer for an arm. There's no doubt about it. KJ Jefferson is a. I I, I refuse to talk about. We're going Spencer to Rattler. We're we're, we're, to, we're, we're not. I'll sneak it in. I, I'm not rewatching his tape. I know how, I know how bad he is. I don't I'll think sneak he's, it in, man. I, I'll sneak it in. Don't worry. He's a day three prospect. I am not well, going to acknowledge yes, him as anything higher. But uh, but we are still evaluating day three prospects, Joe. We're not just talking about the first round guys. I'm good. The show. Before we continue on with this video, I just want to tell you folks about an exciting new partnership that we have with this channel with underdog fantasy ever since i joined i've been having so much fun there are so many different exciting games that make watching games during the offseason more exciting i'm not the biggest basketball fan but it has made it way more entertaining since i found underdog fantasy and my favorite game to play so far which i think you should try out is pick them it is so easy to play just pick higher or lower on your favorite player stats you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your pick'em slip, get every pick right, and take home some cold, hard cash. Use code HACK, H-A-C-K, HACK, like the name of this channel. Use code HACK to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog. Go sign up. You won't regret it. You're going to have a blast. Check out Underdog Fantasy. I also want to tell you folks about our other reoccurring sponsor that we have on this channel, that being BetOnline, BetOnline.ag, which has all the updated odds, news, and anything for sports betting. 
It's my go-to source for when I want to be betting specifically on games. I love betting on college basketball or the NBA, uh, especially again during the offseason. Always looking for more fun ways to be uh, focused in on some of these other sports. It's betonline.ag and use promo code BELIEVE50. It's promo code BELIEVE50 to get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. KJ Jefferson is a 6'3", 240-plus <laughs> pound kid with a uh, who is a good athlete and has a strong arm, although he's a very mechanical thrower. You have J.J. McCarthy, who's a very talented player out of Michigan, obviously. Jordan Travis out of Florida State is a really good athlete. Riley Leonard is a really talented kid out of Duke. Jeff Sims, the reclamation project, going over from Georgia Tech now to Nebraska. They can make it the best out of his game. And then, of course, everyone's going to talk about Joe Milton this year because everyone wants to see him in the Josh Heupel offense, which like I totally get. I understand it. We'll see if he develops or not very soon here in the near future. But regardless, man, just I just listed a lot of guys with a lot of tools, like a lot of big guys, a lot of strong arms, a lot of good athletes. After the top two, there's a lot of question marks as far as what the pegging order is going to be and who develops and who doesn't. But, man, there's a lot of tools to get excited about in this quarterback class. Right. So that's one piece to this where you rattled off all those guys. And I I feel like after we get past those top two, it's similar to last year's class in that sense. But I think that the depth of talented guys that have the traits that could translate is far deeper than it was this past season. And then the other aspect of this, a lot of guys went back. A lot of guys that could have been in the 2023 class decided to stay in school for whatever reason. And some of those players that you mentioned, Jane Daniels is somebody who I at one point was saying to you, I wouldn't be shocked if he's not a senior bowl invite with his eligibility and and how far along he's been. But with this extra COVID year and all these transfers, a guy like him sticks around. Michael Penix was somebody who people thought of and said, hey, if this guy jumps in and he enters the class, he could be an early day two pick, maybe even earlier than that. He's a fantastic athlete. If his medical is checked out, sure, yeah. Right, if his medical's checked out and he decides to go back. And there was also speculation that maybe he goes in the portal and transfers somewhere. That was one of the guys that was brought up. Bo Nix, who, talk about a reclamation project. At one point, everybody was clowning on Bo Nix. And I, I was one of those people. I, and I, I got to be completely honest. I still clown on him. It's fine. We're good. <laughs> Look, I got to be completely honest, though. I, I've seen enough to at least feel comfortable putting him in that second third round conversation, he has taken a, a significant step forward from just being a an aimless, raw quarterback who runs in circles and doesn't make a lot of decisions to playing in an offense that set him up to be a lot more successful and reeled him in a lot more. And I think that Knicks is one person, again, to, to primarily pay attention to. It does get really hazy, though. Like I saw PFF graded Quinn Ewers way too high. It gets really <laughs> hazy with some of these guys who didn't have a lot of highlights, yep. but physically we know they're capable of producing. And I, I talk specifically about uh, J.J. McCarthy and Quinn Ewers. Those are the first two that come to mind in the sense that Quinn Ewers has a massive arm. He was banged up last year. He had a lot of bad games, and his accuracy was very inconsistent. Yep. And then J.J. McCarthy felt like he didn't really step up in a lot of big games except for the Ohio State game. That was the only game that we saw what he's fully capable of doing. But I will say if J.J. McCarthy – reproduces that Ohio State game, there's no reason why he can't be in this top five discussion amongst the quarterbacks. There's going to be a massive debate on who could fit their way in. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. If things go positively here, we could have six guys go in the first round. I don't think that's an egregious take to have. 
No, I mean, it's it's not egregious. It's not because, I mean, right now, Joe, you're looking at the top two guys in this class, right? You're looking at Caleb Williams. You're looking at Drake May. And those are, I mean, barring some massive setback or an injury at hand, like, I'd be hard, it'd be hard pressed to see them get out of the top five to seven picks. Like, that's mm-hmm. just kind of where you are with those guys. But after that, again, when you have a lot of tools as the depth in this class, that means that a lot of guys have potential to rise. Last year's class, you could say, you know, there's a couple of guys that might rise into late day two conversation, early day three conversation because they had limited tools. This year, again, if if Michael Penix Jr. has clean medicals, which is very unlikely with the ACL injuries that he's had in the past, but if he does and he has another great season like he had in Washington in his first year under Kalen DeBoer, why can't he be that riser? Quinn Ewers, although it is a massive projection, admittedly, massive if he takes a step forward in Steve Sarkeesian's offense in year two, he has the talent of a first-round caliber passer. There's no doubt about that. Bo Nix is a guy that people are going to love because he's going to be a four-year starter. He's going to have two probably good years of production to end his career, and he's 6'2", 215, probably going to run the four fives and is a good at a good strong arm, you know, and we're not even talking about guys like Shadur Sanders in his first year at the mm-hmm. FCS le- on the FBS level. Excuse me. JJ McCarthy would take a step forward. Yes, you are correct. There is a lot of question marks after the top two, but there's a lot of potential to rise. So I think that we could see a very high number of quarterbacks early on in this class, because anytime you have guys that are raw, but incredibly talented, there's a chance to rise, which I think we're looking at right now. Now, the offensive tackle class, I think, is going to be talked about uh, very highly. And right now we have, which we don't have often, we've got two guys that theoretically, maybe somebody's not picking a quarterback, could maybe go first overall, but it very well will go in the top five. Joe Alt from Notre Dame, who statistically was graded out as, or analytically rather, was graded out as one of the best players in the country uh, as an underclassman. And then Olu Fashanu, the Penn State left tackle, was a player that could have declared early and could have entered this past cycle and would have been one of the top tackles selected, but decided to come back. Both of those guys, I think, are the capstone to what is a, a really strong and talented tackle class. And we could sit here and continue to name players, yep. but both of them, I think, are the true indicator that this this offensive line class, this offensive tackle class, has a lot of really good football players. And I think that if you're a team that needs to rebuild your offensive line, you're going to be lucking out in this upcoming cycle. Well, I think that Olu Fashanu out of Penn State was probably the number one guy as far as the biggest surprise is to go back to school. Because, I mean, he had a, ch- he had a chance to be the first offensive tackle off the board. He did. I mean, he would have been in the conversation yeah. with Paris Johnson Jr. So you have Olu who went back. I know we're not we're talking about the offensive tackle group right now, but like Jared Verse, Braylon Trice on the defensive side of the ball. They were other guys that toyed with entering the draft early, obviously. But where you're looking at right now, Joe, for me, is like the backgrounds of both these players, Joe Walt and and uh, Olu Fashano specifically, are so fascinating. And we're, obviously, we'll get more into that as far as the background. But basically, Joe Walt is going to be a three-year starter at the University of Notre Dame. Father played in the NFL. Father was a Pro Bowl offensive tackle in the NFL in John Alt. And then you got Olu Fashano, who was a slightly under-recruited, tools the offensive tackle who has a six pack and <laughs> 300 plus pounds, right? Like that's, that's kind of where we are, but that doesn't overshadow the fact that, and we'll talk about this very soon on some of these offensive tackle shows. Dude's like a Marius Mims from Georgia. Whose upside is just like mm. 
stupid, man. Like we're talking about those two guys because that is the clearest projection to being the top couple guys off the board. But then we're going to be starting talking about guys like Amarius Mims, J.C. Latham, really talented offensive tackles that are also in this class. So this is this has a chance. And again, this is extremely early. So this is a, a take, but it's not a take that is as educated I was as I would like. So please grain of salt here. This has a chance to be one of the better offensive tackle classes that we've seen in, in several years. It has that type of upside. It's just about development, obviously, at this point. I'm trying to think back what would be the most recent it, talented and, grouping and, that we've had. Andrew Thomas, Jedrick Wills, uh, Tristan Wirfs, Mackay Becton. Yeah. That's a really good class. That's a really good class. Yeah, that's probably the only one that I think that really would maybe rival this one. But again, it's... That what makes this one, this grouping, really good, I, I feel like last class there was like – Paris Johnson was still a little bit of a project. Yes. Like wasn't and went six fully overall. developed. And went sixth overall. Right. And he went sixth overall. And then Peter Skaronsky, who we all talked really highly of, many people doubted if he could play tackle or not. And then Broderick Jones needed physical development, added more weight to his upper body. And then Darnell Wright, some people speculate, can he play left tackle? Is he going to play right tackle? Where I don't really see a lot of those same question marks. You know, I see that I have a lot of confidence in Joe Walt and Fashanu for how freaking good they were. This, this isn't like we're sitting here saying, oh, they showed us some good things on film. We think that they might take the next step. Right. The guys that we're bringing up right now in this, in this kind of grouping of names to know – these are all the top guys. You know, these are the guys that last year were some of the best in the country yes. and didn't show a lot of signs of weakness. And assuming they don't take a step backward, there's no reason why they can't just be as drafted as high as, as we're talking about right now. Well, I mean, the crazy part of it, I mean, you talk about Joe Walt for a second, right? And, and I know that we have a couple 30-year players on this list. I mean, we talked about, excuse me, Drake May, Caleb Williams. I know we'll touch on Marvis Harrison Jr. and Brock Bowers at some point in this podcast as well. But these guys are all going to be juniors this year. So 30-year players. I mean, Joe Ald is 20 years old right now. So that's the fun part of this process is that all these guys have another season to go. So clearly development is going to happen or a lack of development is going to happen. Something is going to happen in that regard. But I think when you look at this class, man, you get excited this time of year because you're like, with another year, how good could that guy be? Because, I mean, Joe, before this past year, was anybody talking about Olu Fashanu? Like, did you know who Olu Fashanu was no. going into the season? I don't know. Not really anybody did at that point. Joe Walt was a guy that had started half a year for Notre Dame coming into this season. So every year we see this, guys rise to the forefront. And the fact of the matter is, is that Joe Walt and Olu Fashanu are still relatively inexperienced players. I mean, Joe Walt has started what, 20 football games at this point? I mean, there's guys now that are coming out of college with like 50 starts under their belt with the COVID year. Like, it's just that insane. So these guys are all going to take a step forward because they're all young for the most part that we're talking about on this list, which makes it really exciting because you just think about the upside. I mentioned Amarius Mims from Georgia. Marius Mims started like two football games last year because he rotated with Warren McClendon. But then you see him against Ohio State and you're like, oh, <laughs> there's a, mm. there's something there, I think. I, th I think there's something there for a guy like Amarius Mims. So I think the upside of this class is what's really enticing so far because we're still talking about very young football players. Oliver Shadow's only started like 10 games in his Penn State career, which is why it's so exciting. Yeah. Now, the receiver class and the tight end class is fine. I think that there's some some names to couple know there. Studs. But the ones that – Yeah, there's a couple good football players. But the, the two that I want to bring to the table here that I think is going to be talked about a lot throughout this whole thing, Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State, the wide receiver, obvious. 
the, the guy has been a, a monstrous player who I would argue his production this early on, this consistently is more significant than what we got from the last grouping you guys. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. What he has done is almost a step further than that, which is crazy to say. And then Brock Bowers, who has historically been one of the most dominant tight ends in college football history, will also be in this conversation as an elite offensive weapon. Yeah. I wonder where Bowers is going to be used in the NFL. Um, I, but the one thing that we do know is apparently linearly, he's supposed to have a stupid 40 time. Sure. Everybody will. talked about Dalton Kincaid. And I'm going to sit here and say that Brock Bowers is who you wanted Dalton Kincaid to be. And I think that Kincaid maybe, or not Kincaid, Bowers doesn't go in the top 15 like we kind of hoped with Michael Mayer, but he's still going to be a very highly drafted kid, uh, assuming positional value isn't overthought. Huh, that's an interesting take, Joe. I think but I think Brock Bowers is a foregone conclusion as a top 10 pick in 2024, man. I really do. Well, we said the same thing. I feel like we we keep saying the same thing for certain position groups, and then it just doesn't it doesn't that. materialize. That's where I'm kind of coming at with this. I, I get that, but I mean Brock Bowers is what the NFL wants in a tight end right now. I mean, he's 6'4, 230-something pounds. And you're right, he's gonna run the four fours. Like he is. He's that type of athlete. So I feel like people are gonna value him heavy. You know, just kind of because he is the style that now people want to see. And he's a rare athlete, and he really creates big plays, obviously, for Georgia. He is that seamer, but he has that ability to win in space. And the explosiveness, the stop-start stuff he has at his side is just absolutely nutty. And then I've seen this. I don't know if you've seen this, Joe, but if it was Dane Brugler or if it was somebody else, somebody that is very respected, though, for me, put out that they thought mm-hmm. Marvin Harrison Jr. could be the best wide receiver prospect since Calvin Johnson. So, like... That's a, that's a pretty big take, man. Ridiculous. I respect it, though. I respect it. I don't know if he's the same athlete, though. That's that's kind of an – I saw that. Athlete. I think that's kind of – He's not the same athlete. That's an I mean, egregious statement to make. He's going to run – he's going to be 6'4", 210 plus, and he's going to run 4'4", 8", right? Like something like that. It's still going to be very good, but no, he's not Calvin Johnson who's 6'5", 230, no. running – Four three five at his four, size. Three. Like, yeah, I mean, that, but that, yeah. that guy's also one of the best athletes we've ever seen in the history of the NFL, not just a wide receiver. Yeah, both these guys are going to be very, very focused on. Uh, the last one that I want to bring up, it feels like there are a lot of quality edge rushers in this class. It's not as sexy as the last class that we just had, where there could have been a debate for a number of guys to go first, first amongst these defensive players. Yeah. But Jared Verse, I think, stands out amongst the group. The former Albany transfer who is now at Florida State had a very, very good year last year, and he was one of the most surprising returnees. He was somebody who I thought was going to declare, and I'm really stunned that he did not. He has every capability to be a dominant edge rusher in the NFL, and I would have honestly taken him ahead of Tyree Wilson and Lucas Van Ness. So if he had declared, kind of like Fashanu, would have been a top pick, decides to go back. I doubt that will impact negatively his draft stock. But regardless, Jared Verse is is going to be really, really propped up throughout the cycle. Another one of these guys who in this category of, we're not just projecting based on seeing some highs. It's this guy was good enough to go early last cycle. And if he was eligible or had decided to, to declare, he would have gone early. But he goes back and he's now just going to build on that momentum. Yeah, that, that was probably one of the weirdest guys to return because, I mean, I, honestly, I thought Jared Verse, because I think he's going to test exceptionally well. If you see that kid run, you're like, oh, <laughs> he's, a, he's a little bit different of an athlete. 
So I thought he was going to go top 10 to top 15. I really, I, I thought he the second edge off the board when it was all said and done after a Will Anderson. I, I think that he had that type of upside. Decides to go back. It's going to get a second year production, obviously, if Florida State to transfer for me. My question for you, Joe, is before we hit on a couple of these more names, is can Albany claim Jared Verse anymore or is he Florida State's all the way? No, you absolutely can. No, can't. I, I think that especially for no, for a small FCS it's, program, it's, it's you, just it's just like Rhode can. Island can't claim AJ uh, Cornelius anymore. Uh, Jelani Cornelius. We're absolutely gonna claim. Well, then why didn't any of those big schools recruit him in the first place? That's that's my counterpoint. A- a- is everyone, that if you every- were discovered by a program, everyone develops at a different you pace. Be claimed by that program. Everyone develops at a different pace, Joseph. Everyone develops at a different pace. <laughs> but it's not just Jared Verse in this class, which is why it's going to be exciting. Dallas okay. Turner from Alabama is a guy that I think is going to take a step forward now with Will Anderson. I'll, you know, kind of taking his shadow with him. JT from Ohio State's a guy that is a really nice power-based rusher. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name yet because I don't know how to say it yet. And then there's guys like Braylon Trice, who was another guy that I thought may declare early out of the University of Washington, but at 6'4", 270 pounds, I think he has a lot of upside, man, really strong hands. Laiati Latu, who is a defensive end outside linebacker from UCLA, who was also a Washington guy originally, mm. apparently has terrible medicals, but my guy was fantastic last year at 665 pounds. So again, a lot of tools in this class, man. I think what we're ta- how we're talking about this class now is going to be a lot different when we're talking about this class leading up to next day, because I think there's a lot of raw talent in this group that is going to rise to the forefront. Yeah, a lot, a lot of names to pay attention to for the 2024 class. And again, we're going to spend the whole summer breaking these guys down. We're going to do our short scouting report episodes as we did them during the last cycle. So folks, don't miss on miss out on that. We'll be back with more. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.